Hey everyone, and welcome to the Annex Tuesday Night Podcast. The Annex is a community seeking to discover and live life in Jesus. And we hope that this message will help you do just that. If you like what you hear, you can always subscribe. So these messages come right to your phone each week. And you can always check us out at theannexboulder.com or on our Instagram account at theannex.boulder. Enjoy today's message. That um, I really hope that these last couple of weeks uh, and tonight will have been beneficial in you know just talking about some things that maybe you haven't talked about before or uh, just haven't come across a lot in your your journey with with faith and church whatever that looks like um, and so tonight to close out this series I'm I'm super excited to uh, to bring this guy up that that I've known for for a while I I think the first time I heard Dave speak was at a conference, and uh, from, the, from the moment I heard him, I was like, this dude kind of knows what's up, and uh, he's a guy who's worked with a lot of really well-known people in the, in the Christian worship world, uh, and so he's really knowledgeable about that. He's a really accomplished songwriter and producer and lots of stuff like that, but I think more importantly than that, especially for the, for the, the scope of this series, is that he's a guy who, who can really um, articulate faith and, and articulate views on, on worship and the Holy Spirit in a, in a way that, that I always find really uh, personally uh, beneficial. So would you guys please give a warm Annex, Wilton, uh, Annex welcome to my friend, Dave Wilton. Thank you. Yeah, man. So thanks for, thanks for being here with us tonight. Sorry, the stage is a bit cramped. Um, it's perfect. We're, we're going to do this just like kind of an interview format. So uh, a lot of you guys sent in questions, and I really appreciate that. You guys asked some, some really good questions, some questions that I, that I think um, address some of the gaps left in, in this really short series. So I'm excited to get into that. Before, before we get into that, Dave, I just want to have you share a little bit um, uh, about yourself, and and you've got a you've got a pretty cool testimony as far as like when it comes to like how you came to faith. So I was hoping that we could we could just dive right into that if you're if you're cool Perfect. with it. Um, sorry, I don't have like a super loud loud voice. It's kind of soft, so I'll try to let me know if you're able to hear me. But um, I'm really happy to be here and share my story. I'm not a public speaker. I spend all most of my days in a recording studio that me and my wife and our family built connected to our home. And we have artists come in from all over uh, and we help them make records. And it's super fun. I love, I love my job. Um, but yeah, why I'm here is I'm really excited to share my story of faith and knowing Jesus. Um, I grew up in a Presbyterian church and uh, loved it. Very kind people in the Midwest. I'm originally from Illinois. And, um, yes. <laughs> and in my upbringing, I learned so many wonderful uh, things about God, but it was, uh, I learned a lot about God the Father, the Son, and then Scripture. I didn't learn a ton about Holy Spirit. I didn't learn about... Uh, kind of the enemy of my soul, you know, anything about angels or demons. And it kind of, anything supernatural was, um, we don't really 
worry about that stuff type of deal. But I was a kid who always, my imagination always got the best of me. And I always dreamed and hoped that I could connect to God in a very real way. It was like when I read the Bible stories, they they were very real to me. And I, I kind of longed to have that relationship with God. And so I'm going to do this really fast. And if you have any questions, if anything I say, please come and find me after. I'd love to share more. But I was... Um, so I was taught to like kind of ignore anything weird and mystic. Um, so I thought it's totally normal as an 11-year-old kid to like want to desire knowledge. I was taking a test, and I thought, oh, man, I don't know any of these questions because I wasn't that smart. Um, but I thought, well, I know what I'll do. I'll just release my spirit that what I thought was God to receive some knowledge. And uh, so I closed my eyes, put my pencil down. I'd never seen this in a film. My parents were pretty conservative, so we didn't watch a ton of TV. But I closed my eyes, put my pencil down, and just kind of like zenned out as an 11-year-old. I don't know how I did that. Um, I opened my eyes, and the test was filled out, and I got an A. Um, and I thought, this is amazing. <laughs> and uh, and that started this really awkward phase of my life that I don't suggest any of you do, but uh, I did this thing called, um, I had a spirit guide that I thought was Jesus. I really did. Um, I could worship. I could sit in pews and worship God. Uh, I could have these crazy encounters like I don't want to scare you, but things got weird without any drugs. I didn't do any drugs. I just listened to rock and roll and, uh, and like, meditated and was a weird kid who loved poetry. And, but through that, like, there was some constants. Anytime someone, like, got out a Bible, I would literally have, and start reading it, I'd have to, like, leave the room. I would get, like, ill. Um... My brother, I'm a twin, and it's the best being a twin. Um, I, like, grew up with my best friend. He would come in, and he knew something was really weird with me. So he would come in, and he would try to quote me a scripture. And through this evil spirit, I would quote him the scripture that he was about to read me. If there's anything I wanted to know, I, I could ask the spirit, and it would tell me. Like, I was taught that that stuff was kind of made up. Like, we didn't even give it credence in conversation. But what I learned very quickly is that stuff is real, you know? Like Buddhism, Hinduism, all the isms. There are strongholds, uh, principalities of darkness that control that stuff that I did not know. Um, And I got deceived by them. So I was a kid, uh, and at the time... Uh, emo rock music was just coming out like Fugazi and Sunny Day Real Estate and Mineral. You don't know any of these bands, but they're like really good. So if you want to listen to some amazing music, I'll point you in that direction. But I was just, a, I loved sadness. I had this connection with sadness. And, um, and my mother, I started writing music during this time. 
And my mom came up to me. She's a real sweet Midwestern woman. She's like, David, I think your music is worship to Satan. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? You know? Uh, and I, like, for the first time in my life, because like, my, my mother is, like, the sweetest woman, um, we got into, like, our first epic fight. I was, like, just about to turn 16. And uh, I cursed at her, and it was, like, crazy. And made her cry, and she's like, oh, Lord, save his soul. You know, I mean, it was real. It was real. got real. And I uh, went back to my room, locked the door, and all of a sudden, that spirit that I thought was Jesus came to me. You have to understand that, like, for four years, it taught me things. It taught me, basically, how to meditate, how to astral project, how to do a bunch of weird stuff. But I always had to try to get it to come. I had to conjure it. And it would come. Uh, but it never just kind of came like that. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. And I was like, God, if you're God. And all of a sudden, this question popped in my mind. Like, Are you God? Um, and I said, if you're, if you're Jesus. And I went through, it had been a long time since I read the Bible. Um, but I went through the whole, everything I knew about Jesus. If you're Jesus, born in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary, I went super Catholic on it. And I just went the whole resume of who Jesus is, who I thought he was. And I was like, leave. And the moment I said leave, it left and I fell to the ground convulsing and, like, shakes and stuff. Like, this is uncomfortable things, you know, especially for, like, a 15-year-old who just, the Lord helped exercise a demon that I had become a friend with, you know. And I was so scared. Like, in that moment, I realized what I had done. I realized that I had totally, totally... Uh, was deceived, and I made the really poor decision <laughs> of uh, th- thinking an evil spirit, a demon, was Jesus. And so I was scared. I mean, like, very, very frightened. I didn't leave my home. Barely would go outside for like a month. Um, and school was about to start up. Uh, would have been my sophomore year in high school. And... um I remember I was in the basement, and I started walking up the stairs, and uh, like all of a sudden I was thrown against the stairs. You know, like I'm prostate, but like as best you can on the stairs without <laughs> like holding on, and I'm like blinded by like the brightest light I've ever seen in my life, and I'm thinking, and I'm probably wet myself. I'm terrified. Um, All the fear that I had felt for the last month was like kind of Halloween-esque, boogeyman, like really like fearful, gross type of fear. This fear was like, I'm dead. Like it was not even close to like scary horror movie stuff. It was like holy fear. And like in this place, I thought, okay, God's come to kill me. 
And that was kind of my framework for who I thought God was. <laughs> and in that place, I heard a voice. And it was, uh, it's very hard to describe, but it was like a, have you guys been to like Boulder Creek when there's not traffic up against when it's really running hard and it's like the sound of a very fast torrent of water? Like, um, it was like in that I heard him say, as the deer panteth for the water, so your soul longs for me. And the moment I heard his voice, I saw this deer, this like little doe who um, I grew up thinking that scripture was real pretty and like flower-esque and it like has, it's real like serene and um, some dude's playing a harp next to a little lamb, you know. But this was a violent image I saw. It was a, it was a doe that was like literally skeleton, skin and skeleton, like taking its last breath and it was about to die. And in that place, you know, this kind of vision, imagination, whatever you're comfortable with. I don't want to offend anybody. Um, I realized that's me. And the voice of God, like this many waters, like torrent is behind me. And I just fall in. And I drown. And I like come up and I'm back. And I'm still on the stairs. And he says, Read the faithful accounts of my servant, Peter. You're mine. And it was like, I was totally changed. It was like, uh, I like got, can't, like looked up and ran, like as if an army was chasing me. I was frightened and excited, all the emotions. Had to find my Bible, uh, which had like dust on it and, uh, so I went to First Peter, and um, and for the first time in my life, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to me, uh, and it just continued to resound like the words of Jesus. And at first, I was a little like, "Oh, you're a spirit. I can't trust." But then I just had this crazy experience with what I believe was Jesus who rescued me from an evil spirit and he like called me like you're mine. So that started me on this crazy journey of faith. It's a journey of faith that isn't like a um, knowledge-based thing. I love understanding. I love studying, but I love knowing Jesus. And... Um, and my faith starts with him rescuing me, and that's, yeah, that's the beginning of it. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy story, right? I mean, just kind of diving right in there, you know. And so there's the reason that I wanted Dave to share his testimony with you guys is because it's so intense. And I think to many of, to many of us, if we're honest, it feels, it feels unbelievable, right? And... I think it's important to to acknowledge that and and to to draw this this comparison because so first of all it's the type of stuff that that our intellectual mind shuts down and tells us that it that's impossible like it couldn't 
happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. And yet, you know, here's, here's a guy who is, is sitting up here, and, and, like, that's your story. And you live this, this very real life of faith because of that. And my, my story, you guys, could not be more different from that. And I, and I would think that, that for many of us, our stories could not be more different than that. Um, but what I think that illustrates is, is how responsive God can be to our individual needs in, in what we need in order to, um, to see who he is. And, and my faith has looked like God has sort of like been hammering on my intellectualism since I was a teenager. And basically, I feel like daring me to prove him wrong, that, 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 that prove, like, prove to me that this isn't the best way um, to live. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what, why I really wanted Dave to, to share this with you guys, is because of how, how, how intense that story is and how I think it illustrates how God responds to us. So, um, we got to get to some of these questions that, that you guys have asked us. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's dive right into this. Um, Cooper, if we could cue up that first one, um, it looks like this. So, it reads, obviously, we, we, we worship at Annex and church, but God calls us to praise him in all aspects of our lives. So how do we specifically worship God in places like class, work, and relationships? And Dave, I'll just kind of toss that off to you, man. So like practically, how do you worship in all aspects of your life? Totally. Um, so you guys have been probably giving some cool definitions of worship and uh, offering different perspectives of it. My my perspective, I'll just add one to the mix, is you guys remember when uh, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist and, like, this is amazing moment where the, God's like, this is my son who I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit comes. And the very first thing, God leads him into the desert to be tempted by Satan. And all these things that Satan tries to get at, I think, culminate in where he says, like, he takes him up to the temple and he's like, worship me and all this is yours. And what's interesting about that word and the language, and I have a lot smarter friends than me. I love surrounding myself with really crazy, smart, and wonderful people, is that word actually can translate to affection or kiss. Like, besides what we ascribe value and all the really great things that worship is, a lot of it is, like, where do we give our affection? Um, I have three kids, and I try to teach them about how to receive affection and how to give affection. Um, And I think worship is this beautiful thing for me, of learning how to receive God's affection and give it away. And so this question is wonderful. Uh, and I would just, with that kind of definition, um, I would write, like, by receiving God's affection for the world around us, we're actually able to give it away to those around us. But it always starts with receiving um, the Jesuits have a really great saying that is the kingdom of God always begins with receptivity. And I think worship 
always has its starting place in the person of Jesus who's always pouring his affection to us. And if you want to get super trippy in your head, there's parts in the scripture that actually say God worships us. That's uncomfortable. But all that means is he gives us his affection. And so in this context, that, that hope, hopefully that makes sense. So it's kind of like receiving the Lord's affection, giving it to those around you. Yeah, I think the way that I would phrase it is, is it comes down to how you treat people, how you treat the people around you. You know, because it's not like you're, you're sitting there taking a test or whatever. It's not like, it's not that you can't worship through, through that, you know, uh, like, because Paul tells us that we're, our living sacrifice is what's meant to be our worship. But if you treat people differently than the way that the world wants to treat them or does treat them, you know, in your relationships with people that you don't even know, um, that is going to point back to something different, you know, which you have the option to do regardless of whichever situation you, you find yourself in. So, yeah, that's a good one. Um, we've, we've, got about, we've got time to answer, I think, about two, two more questions. So um, I want to I skip down to this one, this one that, that says, how does sin in your life affect your worship? Because I think I thought that this was a really good question. It's something that, that we never kind of talked about through through the, over the course of the series. Um, I think, simply put, it blinds us. Um, it blinds us to the truth of who God is. It blinds us to the needs of those around us, including ourselves. Um, there's something really like amazing about worship in general that when I worship the Lord in spirit and in truth it, I feel the Lord and his power actually blind me to the darkness of the world and like the trappings of the world I actually become like kind of numb to it and I'm blind to that and I'm drawn into things of God and do his life but then when I'm around sin when I choose sin it actually blinds me from Christ and actually blinds me from a life of righteousness and a life of obedience. So I think the main thing it does is it blinds us. And the best thing to guard yourself in that and worship is to like put on the full armor of God um, and be on the lookout for sure. Yeah. Well, how about why don't you choose one of these that you that you want to answer? Um, love to address doubt because uh, it's real and it's okay. Um, one thing I love is that Jesus never condemned his disciples who doubted. He just said, blessed are those who believe. You know, he didn't break out a hammer and scold them. Um, I have a dear friend who, who wrote a song called Mountain to the Valley, and he has a whole sermon on it. And he talks about how God made mountains to be super majestic and high and really difficult to reach. And they give this beautiful vantage point on everything. And then he made the valleys that can be low and hard and hot and dangerous, actually. And man makes bridges. And we always want to make our life like this constant uh, 
No, not too far down, not too far up. Like there's a saying in New Zealand, uh, don't be the tallest poppy. And same in Australia. Like it's a cultural, like we really like people who can just be steady. But the truth is, is God gave us our emotions and our feelings um, to experience life and to, to feel when we need to feel. To, um, and I, I really think that doubt is sometimes those valley moments. Um, and it's okay to doubt. I know that when I've gone through seasons of doubt, the Lord has always been with me. He may not always give me the answers, but if I choose to be with Jesus, pretty soon I find like two, three, four, six other people around me just loving me. And in community, you can actually struggle with a lot of things and still be vibrant. Um, You guys familiar with the Sermon on the Mount? If any of you struggle with doubt, I'd encourage you to have like a daily rhythm of reading the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who mourn, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Um, It's okay to be not always happy. Um, And it's okay to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. But it is, man. Life is a roller coaster. And it's a good one. But what makes it good is that we're with God in it. Not like just on this really boring highway. Who likes driving on highways? There you go. Probably because so, you zone out or listen to records. I mean, I, I'll listen to podcasts on highways, but mm-hmm. if I actually want to do, like, my family and I will go to the mountains and we'll see things and experience things together. Yeah, I. The, the the some of the most crucial pieces like one of the most crucial pieces of advice that I think I ever got that sticks with me to this day is just this this advice to stay close um I don't know why that phrase uh, through all that like cuz I'm my my sort of my s- spiritual verse or whatever is this moment when somebody comes up to talk to Jesus and uh, he says lord I believe help me with my unbelief and it's so my life kind of feels like the tension between those those two like really contradictory statements. And so this phrase, stay close, has just really helped me over the years. You know, that when you feel like everything's wrong in your faith, just that's where the, the discipline part comes in. You just keep doing the things that you know to be right. And maybe the most important thing for me is don't try to do it alone. Like, seriously. You've, you've got to be around people to do this, which is hard for me because I'm such an introverted person. And your, your community, more, th- more than likely, if you're going to see God at work, it's going to be in the people around you and, and to, to open ourselves up to, to that reality. Um, I think we have, we have about three minutes left to answer one of these questions. So what I, what I would just have you say, Dave, just briefly describe is this, this question that says, how do you come up with the songs? So, so worship and non-worship. Because I think you have a really cool way of just articulating as a songwriter, as an artist, you know, your, your writing process. Yeah. Um, uh, it's work, you know. Like we all have work, creative work. It's just the same. But what's a little bit unique about it is I get to approach it kind of like a Leonard Cohen who 
would wake up every day, put his suit on, look really good, sit at his typewriter, and he called it just waiting at the bus stop. And he would wait. He'd just sit and wait for inspiration to come. He would put in a few hours of just waiting and contemplation. And if inspiration didn't come, he would go about his next task for the day. Same with one of my favorite um, artists. uh, Oh, gosh. Spacing. Sweet, sweet woman. Anyways, what's, what's she's, a song that she wrote? Oh no, no, it's a painter. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I draw inspiration from like all art forms, but um, she would sit. Agnes Martin, there you go, uh, kind of the mother of modern mystic minimalistic painting. But anyway, she'd just sit and wait until inspiration came. And as a songwriter, there's a lot of times where songs can be used to to meet the needs of those around you. That's a beautiful song, but I tend to like, when I write a song, I love to allow it like an artesian well, like these wells that would like, you didn't ever have to dig super down far. It actually just, what bubbled out actually is what you write about. Um, and I really enjoy and encouraging other writers to work hard at their craft, but like when those moments of inspiration come, to allow the Holy Inspire, the Holy Spirit, to speak. Uh, new verses, new songs, new colors, new ideas, and then respond. It's really fun. It's so fun. Yeah, man. Um, the thing that you've said that, that I really appreciate and that I really sense in, in Loud Harp's music and a boy in his kite's music is the, the, the fact that these are, just, these are just personal stories. Like, I've heard you describe that. These are just personal stories between between you and God, and that it's for whatever reason that that has the potential to to be shared with other people, and other people have been able to find that useful to them. So, I think that's really cool. Um, well, that's that's about all the time that we have uh, for tonight. So, um, thank you guys for being here. Let's let's thank uh, you so much. let's thank Dave for for being here tonight. And. If, Can I say one thing? Yes. So my wife, Allie, and I, this is where we first came to church when we first got married. They had like a little young adults crew like, like 10, 13, 12, 13 years ago. Yep. Anyway, it's, just, it's fun to be back here. Be like, oh, I so, sat right there. Yeah, I'll do a little plug here. Check out Dave's, check out Dave's music. He, he has two, two main projects, Loud Harp, which like we play some of their songs here, and uh, A Boy and His Kite is sort of your solo stuff, both very worth uh, uh, checking out. And, um, yeah, you're, you're playing in Denver here pretty soon. So November 16th. And it's just going to be a little show, but one of my best friends named Stephen Roach is an cool awesome dude. teacher, podcaster, uh, Christian. He's going to be speaking. Makers and Mystics is his podcast. You should check it out. Indeed. Well, I think it's the time of the night where we're gonna we're gonna spend some more time singing. Is that correct, Sam or Matt? Excellent. Okay, I'm gonna pray for us, and then uh, and then we'll get back to it. Lord, thank you so much for for meeting us here tonight. I, I thank you for I thank you for Dave. I thank you for uh, the the story that you have have given him. I pray uh, that that your spirit would speak through or would speak to us tonight through through that story through the through our our, our fellowship and through uh, the worship
that we uh, get to participate in tonight. Lord, you're good, and we just thank you for, for who you are. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you back here next week.